This is the Personal Finance Show with your host, Bo Humphreys. Okay, hello. Welcome to the Personal Finance Show. I'm Bo Humphreys. Today, I'm really excited to be here at the brand new Planswell headquarters. At first glance, Planswell is offering free financial plans to Canadians, which is pretty great on its own, and that's what got my attention. But when you look a little closer, Planswell is much more than what they appear to be. We'll get into those details in a bit. But first, I want to welcome the Planswell team. Can everyone say Planswell at the same time like we just practiced in rehearsal? Okay, I'll, one, two, three. That was amazing. I'm, I'm, real, I'm so proud of everyone for doing that right now. So this is a podcast, and you can't really see what's going on or who's here, so I have to tell you. I'm sitting in the middle of the Plansville office with probably half or more than half of the members of the Plansville team, and they're just all standing around uh, wondering what is going on right now. I'm going to do this. Everyone just quickly pass the mic around and say who you are and what you do here at Plansville. My name's Harry, and I'm in charge of partnerships. Hi, I'm Michael. I'm the chief marketing officer. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm the director of mortgages. I'm Quinn. I kick ass. This is Z, a working product. I'm Robert. I'm a software developer. Uh, my name is Ahmed. I work with our awesome clients. Uh, my name is Scott, and I'm the head of insurance. I'm Eric. I'm uh, CEO. I'm Bob, I'm the CFO. Bob. I'm Abdullah, and I work with clients too. I'm uh, Karan, and I'm just joining here. Okay, he doesn't know what he does. <laughs> or he doesn't want to tell anybody. I'm Isabella, I do marketing, and I'm the executive assistant. I'm Lauren, and I do PR. All right, okay, so this is how I get to know you too, because I don't know everybody's here. Um, so what I'd like to do is start with what I, uh, what I like to call uh, explain your company to a smart five-year-old. Uh, tell us what Planswell does in a way that would make sense to a smart five-year-old who understands the concept of money before he loses interest or she loses interest and goes back to playing Legos. The problem right now is that pretty much nobody knows what they need to do on a monthly basis to make sure that in the future their lifestyle stays the same and, and doesn't decrease. I fully agree with you. So, so what we do is we create a plan for you in less than five minutes so that you know exactly what you need to do. Okay, a financial plan. And how much does it cost me? I don't have a lot of money. I'm five. So, so the plan's free. Uh, you, can, you do it online. You can do it on your phone. It takes you know, about 40 questions, less than five seconds per question off the top of your head. Very intuitive. And then you get a, a beautiful plan that tells you exactly what to do, and it's completely free. Okay, that sounds great. And, and we can get into more details later, but... Right off the top, I'm going to talk about financial literacy because I think that's really important. So I'm going to uh, put together a scenario for you and play along for a bit, and then uh, I'll ask questions about that. So the Ontario government decided to put like a couple hundred grand into uh, grade 10 financial education, and that's cool. It's not a lot, but it's a step in the right direction, hopefully. So imagine this uh, world that doesn't exist. So you're in grade 10, maybe you're 15 years old. Your big homework project for the semester is to make a household financial plan. You get the framework, maybe from Planswell, and you, your parents have to comply with this because it's part of your curriculum. 
the teacher signs a non-disclosure, so they, they're the only ones to review and evaluate, so there's no like, I don't wanna give away my financials to anybody. You know the teacher's trusted. It has to be comprehensive and backed up by all of these you know, backup documents, statements, and stubs, so the teacher knows it's not all ma made up. The kids are asked to sit down with their parents and discuss what their financial goals are and how they handle their money in order to meet those goals. The parents are required to disclose their spending habits and explain any significant amounts of debt that they have and show a debt repayment plan to their children along with their financial plan that they fill out. And when they're reviewing investments with their parents, the parents are required to explain why they think these are the best investments for their family. So my, I have three questions based on that situation. Why does this seem, first of all, really uncomfortable? I'm sure everybody was squirming as I was saying some of those things. Why does it seem like a fantasy instead of reality? Why are finances such a touchy subject, like don't you even dare ask me about my finances? And why do people think they don't need to do any of this and then they're surprised when they're in financial trouble later? Well, <coughs> that was a lot of questions at the end there. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one, why does this seem like fantasy instead of reality? Why, why does this not a, an okay thing for me to propose? Yeah, I think people have a really hard time sitting down face-to-face -face with somebody and explaining, you know, where they've fallen short and, and really kind of revealing their lack of financial literacy. None of us really know what we're talking about when it comes to money, but we all like to walk around pretending that we do and saving face. Um, and I think that's, that's part of what Planswell does for people is it creates the opportunity to, you know, from the comfort of your own home or your own device, get the answers that you really need without having to sit down traditionally the way that everybody else has always had to do in front of some banker who's, you know, presumably judging you and like, you know, thinking things about you. So people feel judged when they, when they talk about money because we've established it like a long time ago that this was a, some kind of taboo subject. Right. And so maybe having a more accessible thing like Planswell or, you know, any kind of thing that's, you know, online or just more open, transparent, would be better. Let's go back to how it all started. Plans well. There's a lot of you here now, but it all started somewhere. What was the first like plans well moment? Like plans well. It's a thing. It's going to be a thing. What was what where, where was that? When was that? I think the first discovery was back in 2000 and back in 2012 figuring out how, you know, the, the initial idea came up. What if we could get people over the internet? to tell us all their deepest, darkest financial details. And then you could have an advisor then follow up and-, and That sounds creepy. Plan. Yeah, it does. And, and the, the everyone's response would have been like, it's a trick question. No one's, no one's gonna do that. Yeah, like there's exactly. You know, the, cost, the cost of getting someone to do that uh, would be prohibitive. And, and we were able to figure it out pretty quickly that there's actually a massive demand for, for the ability to go online and, and create a financial plan you know, with that, that privacy. From there, we kind of saw that this is great. Lots of people are doing it. Hundreds of people a day were doing it. And then we were you know, distributing that to different advisors who we knew created great financial plans for people. Uh, but the problem was almost half of them didn't have enough money for the advisors to care uh, or to even be allowed to service them. How much do they need? Uh, at the banks today, you, you need, uh, I, I believe, a quarter million dollars for most of the big bank brokerages. I heard recently that uh, Dominion Securities is up to half a million. I don't I have that. I haven't confirmed that. Yeah, most people don't, right? It's uh, less than 1% of the population has a million dollars, and that's the ideal client. So. That's right. Uh, that's really unfortunate. And right. that still is, is in existence now, right? 
It's going up. Yeah. yeah. When, when I was at the bank, when I was, I used to work at uh, one of the big bank brokerages. There was no limit. When I left in 2013, they just introduced a hundred thousand dollar limit. Now it's 250. So that's terrible. Yeah. So but you saw that and you, you wanted to change it. Yeah. So the problem for us at the time was that if half of these people, like nobody's willing to talk to them. We, the reason is because it's so cumbersome to create a financial plan and to meet people in person. Uh, they have to make a certain amount of money. So we had, we had to figure out a way to, you know, more cost ef effectively deliver that financial plan. And, and we figured out how to do it so well that we can give it away for free. So how are you doing that? Uh, the, the engine that we've built uh, is able to replace the moment where, where the advisor looks at all the inputs and what the calculators are saying. And they, they generally will look up and they say, okay, well, in order to solve this plan, here's a suggestion. Uh, maybe you need to retire at a different time than you planned, or maybe you need to have a part-time job in retirement. There's a whole bunch of ways to solve it, and that takes a moment of an advisor's time to, to use their own intuition and their own experience. Um, we had to replace that. That took about a million dollars and a half a dozen developers for about eight months uh, to figure out how to do that, and uh, it was something that we were able to file a patent on, and it's one of the key pieces of intellectual property that we have. So getting, getting rid of the high-paid advisor from the equation is, is really where the cost savings come from. And, and what made you think we need to replace this with technology? Is it just the right time? Is it uh, the technology is available now or that you, do you have a background in that or you have people that you are working with who have background? Yeah, I, I have a background in, in online marketing and you know, distributing ideas to the internet to people and, and a background of developing businesses as well as working in the financial industry. So it kind of came together. But yeah, that we just knew that it's it's trending higher and higher uh, for the net worth requirements to have good advice. So we're at a state right now where pretty much nobody has it. Um, so the only way to get that cost down was to use technology. Cool. So I know that some of you have escaped the traditional world of uh, personal finance or corporate finance. There are a lot of people out there who think sitting down with a traditional planner or at a bank is you know they want to barf when they think about it. I'm one of them, and. Uh, the whole reason I became a personal finance coach is because I believe there's a better way and a simpler, more relaxed and maybe even more enjoyable way uh, to manage your personal finances. Does, uh, I think, Harry, you used to work in the uh, big finance. You want to talk a little bit about why you would not want to be there and why you want to be here and why PlansWell kind of is a better way? Yeah, definitely. Um, my whole family's in wealth management. My father's been in it for 40 years. My brother's a uh, stockbroker at Dominion Securities right now. And uh, I is it awkward? Is it awkward well. to, to for your dad to be still in traditional finance? No, not really. We're kind of taking two different approaches at it. He does an amazing job, and what he does is really solve people's problems. Problem is, is he can only do it for a very select demographic of people. Those really, really people with lots of money. People, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I saw that. I grew up in that business, and I loved what they were doing, solving problems. Problem was, is that I wanted to do it for everyone. And so to do that, I took me on a journey where I joined RBC, like their head office, and started uh, looking at ways we can expand that. But unfortunately, their idea of expanding it wasn't like of innovating was just to do what they're doing for that same group of people better. And it wasn't, you know, trying to expand the audience of it. Okay. And so uh, when I was working at head office, I kind of saw, saw that and then quit and then started the journey of uh, which eventually led me to uh, Planswell. That's great. Uh, you, you, you brought up a really interesting thing. They're, they're trying to improve th for the people that they already have. And, and what you guys are trying to do is 
along the lines of uh, d democratization of, of personal finance. So I think that's the theme that everybody kind of follows here. And uh, I think a lot of people don't realize until they get into it uh, how difficult it is to, say, set up a brokerage account uh, or that they even have to do that, and they don't. But uh, if they wanted to, if you want to buy, I just want some Apple or some Google stock, somebody says, I love them, right? It's not easy, and it's not cheap, and you're probably not going to come out of it on top. Mm -hmm. and, and if you talk to one expert, they're going to tell you, oh, well, you shouldn't just buy Apple. You should buy this high-fee mutual fund because that's the only thing that they're licensed to sell. Or you talk to an insurance broker, and they're like, oh, well, don't worry about that. You should buy insurance. And what we're able to do here is we're able to look at the whole picture and we're licensed for everything so we can create the plan which says you know this is exactly what you should do and that's mathematically in the best interest of the client whereas everyone is generally just giving advice on what they're licensed to do you know why doesn't everybody have a financial plan this is to me this is something a, a, as simple as uh, you're learning to cook or you know you learn you know how to wash dishes your parents teach you that why why does the financial plan seem so so strange? I mean, we talked about how awkward it is to share your finances, but what's wrong with teaching it to children at an early age? The problem is that it's incredibly complicated. That the, the, ama the amount of math that gets done to create a, a financial plan, like we, we tried to estimate what our engine is doing. So our engine, part of it's called an expert system, which is considered like advanced AI as of the late 80s. It's not AI today. But uh, we tried to estimate how many calculations are done, and it's it's in the tens, if not hundreds, of millions of calculations to optimize a plan. So even the top financial planners with the CFP certifications, what they're really trained in doing is using software. So no no one's actually sitting down with with pens and pencils to make financial plans. No, I know I use a software called Snap Projections, right. and uh, it costs about sixty five bucks a month. Right. Because because I'm a planner. Or have the ability to plan, but that's not for a consumer to use. Correct. And it's built in a way that the consumer wouldn't necessarily know how to use it either. Correct. So you're you're are you going to make these uh, companies obsolete? Probably a good time to talk about the competition. Yeah, yeah. So we don't make tools for advisors. Our, our goal mm -hmm. is not to empower advisors to do a better job. That's totally fine. We think that we think that the bias is so strong with the way their comp structure works that they will never be able to give uh, unbiased, like good advice um, on the traditional assets under management uh, plan. So they, yeah. they would charge a percentage of your assets. So how are they going to uh, basically offer something that's not going to make them money? Right. Right. And there, there are good advisors out there that are doing like a great job for their clients. I'm not by no means am I saying all advisors are evil. If you just look at the, the commission structure of any of those kind of silos Harry was talking about, you, you'll never convince me that, that that's a solvable problem. So wh what we seek to do is uh, is to give completely unbiased advice through technology and then empower people that if you want to implement those plans with us, you can do that. Uh, if you want to figure out how to implement it on your own, go right ahead uh, and it's free. So no pressure. Come get a free plan and then stick around because we're good people, we'll help you out. But otherwise, if you got other plans, right. go for so it. So even the people that do have plans out there in society from an advisor, it was probably a sales tool, and it's a one-time thing. They might tell you they're going to do it every year, but that's just not true. 
we think that planning is, is an ongoing process. So we actually kind of force our clients to redo their plan every six months or anytime they make a change from what they said they were going to do. Um, and changing the plan and updating the plan, that takes about two or three minutes. It's just on your phone. It's like snapping through uh, you know, a, a story on Snapchat or Instagram to get to the end of the, the questions. But if you, if you make those micro adjustments every six months, so that if nothing's changed, it might just go up you know, six or eight dollars a month uh, of your savings just to adjust for inflation. As long as you make those micro adjustments, it's, it's fairly certain you're going to hit your goals. Whereas if you just stick with one plan that you make when you're in your early 30s, uh, you look back 40 years later, the, it, the planning, a person. the software that they use actually tells you that there's only about a 50% likelihood that this is going to be achieved without modification. So I'm a very different person than I was in my 20s. You know, I, I had a gambling addiction. I, I went through a consumer proposal with my creditors. Uh, I lived on cash. I ruined my credit for seven years. If I had made a plan then, it would have been like, uh, I'm going, I'm going to die. Right. I'm basically going to fall into nothingness. Right. right. So if I didn't update that plan now that I, uh, you know, gotten out of that, you know, thankfully, it's uh, it's really nice to be in that place. And, and so, yeah, every year, every six months, uh, w- you know, whatever, if it's free, especially. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's update it uh, as long as we can. So. So just thinking about like how advisors deliver value, it's really interesting. Like one of the things that I think has happened is. There's this like great like information asymmetry. It's like when you go to the auto mechanic and you hear all this like um, lingo and jargon, you, you know you don't know how to fix the car. So you're you know, you're kind of at the mercy of this mechanic. You, and, you and become a real dummy and you just listen. Right. right? And, and in the advisory world, I think that that's kind of become like a technique a little bit. And something that's happened is, okay, Eric's right. It's very complicated to compute a financial plan that takes you through the rest of your life. But the basics of what to do with your money are not that complicated. That's a- true. And a lot of these like commission sales folks like get into a habit of overcomplicating it as a way of showing their, their value. So it's 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 acronyms, it's charts you don't understand, it's um, like mutual funds and products that have all these features uh, layered into them that if you really did the analysis aren't really adding value, but they just underline the fact that this advisor knows a lot more than you know. And so that creates a, a bit of an illusion of value and creates almost a, sometimes I think a feeling of shame as well that, you know, I'm, I'm really not worthy. I really don't know about my own money and I need to rely on people. I think part of what we're like really excited to be doing is stripping away that complexity, letting people know that like the basics are simple. There's some calculations that we need to do that we're like uniquely qualified to do, but, but the 90% of what you need to do is really straightforward. We can generally improve people's situations greatly without any guilt or shame. You don't need to change your lifestyle. You don't need to beat yourself up that you've got a spending problem. We'll empower you to know where you're heading, and maybe that will help you make some choices that are you know, better for yourself. But we're definitely not about using shame or overwhelming people with complexity. Like To the opposite, we're, we're very transparent about how we create value. And I met somebody the other day, well, it was today actually, literally a PhD who's trying to figure out how to help advisors demonstrate the value they create. I think that there's a problem if you need a a PhD to sort of look at this problem now that consumers are sort of becoming aware of these issues. um, It's kind of a a real major sea change. And you wanted to talk about fintech. Well, Well, I think that's why we're at this point right now. But I also (laughs) wanted to say something about what you're saying. Uh, You know, I think it's Carl Richards. uh, He did the one-page financial plan. He writes on napkins and stuff. He said... The advisor is the thing that you need between you and stupid. So 
really it's not about knowing all of the special funds or things to invest in or that kind of stuff. It's really to have some accountability, to have somebody to help you along the way. And you say, I want to do this. And that person says, great, that sounds like you know, you'll get to this point if you do that. And I think that's the value. A and the fact that people feel shame, the fact that I was just at a, a summit for the Globe and Mail, and uh, in Canada, being a salesperson is a, it's shameful, apparently. I in the UK, it's the most lauded job there is, because they treat it as a science, and they don't treat it as, I'm trying to sell you something that you don't want. And maybe if we didn't have that idea, then people wouldn't feel like they have to sell things they don't want, or they, they wouldn't be sort of forcing people into situations they don't want to be in. But I, yeah, I just want to talk briefly about uh, fintech, and, and uh, I got some stats here on uh, uh, why consumers are choosing fintech companies, and you guys can tell me if you agree or not. So 45% of people apparently think that fintech is much easier to get started with, right? You don't have to go into a bank, or you don't have to call somebody up. I hate talking on the phone. I don't want to do that. Yeah, agree with Strongly that one? Agree, okay, yes. so uh, there, there are more attractive rates and fees. Uh, I think that's always important. About 15% of people, though, that's they don't only 15% of them think. I'm surprised that's not higher because yeah. I think when we look at the fintech landscape, uh, I think I would say lowering fees is the one thing that almost every fintech is kind of succeeding at. Because they have less overhead. They drive out some costs and shine yeah. a light on costs. And, they're and doing technology. That, they're doing that well, yes. Yeah, so that sh I think that should be higher, too. Uh, just you have the typically online and stuff. You have the ability to to have a more a varied uh, product s and service line. Say you're able to offer more things. Maybe maybe point people to more things than are ju just if you're sitting in one bank or one office. Uh, Twelve percent of people go for that because they go to one place. Say you know like if it's a an aggregate website that has all of these different mortgages on it. For as an example, that's a that's an example of that. Mm -hmm. Trust uh, now. Uh, only 2% uh, of people uh, think that trust is important, and that's what they, they or 2% of people trust fintech companies. I think it, it should be way higher, or that trust should be way more important, because I think trust is everything in this business. I, and I, I'm seeing a lot of nodding heads here. Why do you think that uh, that's so low? I think I have a pretty good idea, and it's uh, it's... I think it's in one kind of idea that's really at the heart of what we're we're trying to do differently. And like, if you look at traditional financial relationships, the relationships people have with their banks or with their advisors, if you look at research on when, why they become dissatisfied with those relationships, it's more so than high fees or, or bad performance or even lack of contact. It's really not feeling understood, not feeling listened to and not feeling like the recommendations they're receiving are really based on them and their goals and, and their needs. And in, 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 in an industry that's driven by commission sales, sort of expediency of the sale is kind of always king. And a lot of the softer things, or I mean, Eric was talking about the effort that goes into making a financial plan. It's a lot of effort. If there's not a return on it, th it's hard to be incented to do it. And that, we're so we're so focused on that, that if we make plans that are really built on people's individual circumstances and individual goals and do a great job of that, um, I think that's going to be the key to trust. You know, we're not here to, to, to sell products. We're here to provide people with financial plans. And, and I think if people feel the plan is it's theirs, uh, it's for them, 
um, they have something that they can they can they can trust in, and, and that's something that will sustain. It's not a it's not a sales technique. It's something that will sustain for them throughout throughout their lives. And I think, like, we'll get to have real relationships with people, and and change their plans as their lives change. And I, I think that that real like dialogue and being focused on the client and their goals is, is that is the only path to trust. Otherwise, you're just selling insurance policies and, and that's kind of yeah. the old way of doing it. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, you know, when I sign an, an engagement letter with, with my clients, actually I, I have a clause there that says lifetime relationship. I'm not going anywhere. You can go if you don't like me, go ahead. But I'm not gonna go anywhere. The whole idea here is for us to keep doing this together. I'm not selling you the plan of the day. This is your life. Yes. So I, I think if we understand that, then then we're good, right? Yes. Um, personal finance is personal. You have a real relationship at that point. That it's personal. Exactly. exactly. It's yeah. it. That's what it is. Okay, so uh, I'm going to move over to Quinn. Uh, so Quinn said, <laughs> and I really like this in the video. I, I, I wish there were way more views of this online, by the way, that this company or the idea of Plans Well and what you guys are doing, it's like a heartless merciless killing machine that's aimed directly at bad financial products. And this is a reference to the Terminator movies. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about what this uh, statement means, maybe for people who don't get the Schwarzenegger <laughs> reference, <laughs> and why you're so driven to make like plans well, uh, or why it's sure. a great place? Sure, so, so I, was, I was really speaking from the heart when I said that. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> I, feel, I feel that. How I came to plans well is I was working somewhere else, was doing user analytics. It was interesting and challenging and ambitious and you know really fulfilling. So I I got accosted by hiring over here at Planswell and I was like, no thank you, not interested. I'm happily working. Okay. And they were like, you sure? And I was <laughs> like, yep, no thanks. They were like, I'll buy you dinner. I was like, I'll see you Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> was it someone in this room, by the way? Uh, no, he's no, not in the okay. room right now. But so I went up to dinner, and I was like, sweet, free dinner. Uh, and I sat down, and I got the whole spiel, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Uh, and I, I hadn't really given much thought to financial technology or financial products before, because I'm young and stupid. And so I went home, and I, I started looking up you know, all of these, these terrible, terrible products that apparently get peddled a lot, like, like freakishly a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, wow, that's true. And it's also horrifying and terrible. And that, that kind of stuck with me for a while. But, I mean, at the end of it, I, I still was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm secure in my job. I'm not going. And they were like, I'll buy you another dinner. <laughs> and I was like. Two dinners. Okay. <laughs> and uh, at that point, I was hooked. By, by the time I, I went to the second dinner and I met the team and I, I saw what they were trying to accomplish, I was all in. And the reason <laughs> that I that I call it a, a merciless killing machine is is because that's that's exactly what it is. It's it's one of the biggest accomplishments I think we'll ever we'll ever have here is is just making those terrible terrible products obsolete because um, they kind of stem from this this predatory uh, compensation structure that exists in the financial world, and we're going to destroy that. We're going to eliminate that, and those will no longer be a thing. They will have no reason to exist anymore. And that makes me very excited. I think that's really great. Uh, does anyone else want to share their journey from wherever they were to Planswell and why apparently you either retire or die to leave this place? That's, uh, I forget who said that, but it was in a video. 
I think interestingly, I decided to join Plan 12 because of watching a movie as well, The Big Short. Okay. It just felt like towards the end, it was just all really gloomy, and I just feel like as a as a consumer, what are my options? Like, I'm just kind of stuck. I'm like, I just feel so helpless. That's how we feel sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like I just feel like the finance industry is just kind of like out to get me kind of thing. And so I'm really excited about how we can help unpack a lot of the black box, um, a lot of how cutting through the jargons and everything, helping people understand like what they actually need and, as, and not just like what people want them to get. So yeah, yeah, I think that's great. Uh, who uh, came up with the squirrel mascot or the uh, all the little animal cartoons on the uh, on the site? Who that was you? Uh, well, Eric, Eric and I. I think Eric put the bug in my ear that we should have a children's book, although for yeah. people of all ages that talks about money. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on one. I, I'll tell you about it some other time. But cool. Go so yeah, we. Really, actually, to back up a little bit, we knew we wanted to make a book that took these took some key principles, like you need to have a plan, you need to invest, you need to have some protection in the mix. If you have debts that are not helping you, you need to have a plan to get out of them. Um, and if you do those basic things, you get some kind of financial freedom. You can do what you love, is how we say it. You can have some, you can be liberated in, uh, in your life. So. We kind of, I, I wrote the book, and then it, it, we came to the question of, well, what, how do we visualize this? What's it look like? And it was Eric who said, let's look at cartoons. Let's look at something that even further like disarms people, that takes it away from all the visual language you're, you're used to seeing in the financial industry. A lot of the clients we help are young families. A lot of them have kids. All of us were kids. So it was, really, it was a really neat thread to follow. And then, and then in the process of working with, we have an amazing um, illustrator who's actually um, from overseas. Her name's Tamara. We're looking forward to it. She's going to visit us here soon. Okay. Uh, so she's a very much a member of our team, just at a bit of a distance. And we worked with her and, and did all the art. And um, yeah, at some point towards the end of the project, uh, our squirrel, codename McLovin, <laughs> <laughs> kind of emerged Good as name. like the character that we, we kind of use him in a way that he represents you, the, the client. Um, and he kind of goes through the things that you're going to go through. I was just thinking <laughs> that I feel like he's me. He's you. Uh, in the opening of our book, he looks very sad, downtrodden, beaten down by the weight of understanding or not understanding his money and having you know, financial industry people making him feel even worse. And he goes through his little journey, uh, and he starts to do the right things with his money, and you know we share his triumph. <laughs> we live through McLovin. <laughs> so Does this book exist, by the way? Uh, uh, is it printed? It exists as an e-book. People who have joined our wait list, hundreds, Get the e maybe thousands have downloaded it. We're maybe I got it, and I don't remember. You may have it. It will be a physical thing sooner rather than later. So this is great. You'll, you'll, have a cop you'll have copies soon. Eric, you want to comment? There's another aspect to it is that when we were designing the brand and marketing strategies and how are we going to kind of show this to the world, we were, we were looking at different images that other companies use to, to get emotion out of people and to get people to connect and to target their, you know, they, they have their target audiences that they're trying to attract. And if you look at a lot of the other fintech companies that are, you know, th they would say that they're targeting younger audiences, millennials come up a lot. Um, and, and we looked at ourselves and we said, well, like we, we're building plans well so that everyone can have a financial plan. And if we're, if we're building something that, that needs to speak to you and you and you and you and everyone, um, we're going to have a really hard time if we want to make commercials with just 
kind of one or two people in it that have the same ethnicity and gender and sexual orientation and and in order to hit the diversity that, that we felt that we needed to hit we, we thought we would go with more of um, more of cartoon characters that, that don't have the same kind of gender stereotypes and, and racial stereotypes and uh, and a cute cartoon uh, squirrel yeah you, you don't know how old the, the squirrel is and um, as, as he goes through his adventures, uh, y you can relate to him. Everyone can relate to him. It makes sense. I, I, I do kind of want to read about the, uh, one of them was a caveman, I think, on, on one of the pages. And it's, uh, it, it kind of helps with the journey. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a pretty good picture um, of Planswell. And uh, can I just say one more thing about Planswell? Cause absolutely. So something often just gets missed in, in when people are hearing about us. So I just want to clarify that like, a lot of people listen to this and they think we're a budgeting app. And so we haven't figured out a, a not awkward way of explaining that we're not. So I'll just awkwardly tell you that we're we're not a budgeting app. <laughs> and what? So yeah, what would like Mint? Mint is a budgeting. Yeah, we're not Mint. Cloud. Yeah. So yeah. so maybe go to Mint first. Right. And yeah. then once you got it all together. Yeah. Bring it over to Planswell to do a plan. Right. Which is not a budget. If you want someone to tell you to drink less lattes, there are books. There are other companies. I don't care how many lattes you drink. You're going to create a plan, and it's going to tell you like a more of a crystal ball service of, of how that's going to affect you. Now, it, the plan might tell you, okay, well, this means you have to retire at 87, uh, and you might say, okay, well, maybe I should drink less lattes. But that's that's going to be up to you to make those decisions. Um, that's right. Looking at those, I, I really like the, the ones that if you do it early, it says you could retire at like 53 or something if you just keep doing what you're doing. And right. But yeah, then but if you're maybe starting later or you do have, uh, you know, if you're spending more than you have, then your retirement's not going to be. Uh, you need to know this early. Yeah, yeah, and and the, the other thing I just like, I think I don't think we've quite hit on is that just to explain to people that th this isn't just about investing your money. Uh, there's a lot more to financial planning than that. Protecting your money uh, by by having the proper insurance, not the most expensive insurance with the biggest commission, which is what people generally get. But, but protecting it properly and, and having that adapt with you as you grow and, and go through your journey, as your wealth grows, often you need less insurance uh, as you approach kind of financial freedom. And then taking that, that debt component that you talked about, um, you know, the, the credit card debt and the mortgages and the lending and how you're managing that, that needs to be included as well in, in a really good financial plan. And, um, you know, people walk into a bank branch and say, today's the day I want to start putting money into a TFSA. And they, they might look down at their screen and see, wow, this person's carrying $40,000 worth of credit card debt. They have a mortgage with us. And they look back up at you and they say, great, which which high mutual fund would you like to buy today? They still let you do that, right? right. <laughs> so and yeah. yeah. How, how are they even allowed? So so Planswell is, is going to help you with all this stuff because you're looking at everything together. It's a completely holistic, comprehensive plan of everything you need to do. Exactly. Yeah. And that's important. I know a lot of people, especially if they don't have dependents or anything like that, they don't have insurance. And you can talk to them about the options. Who better to recommend the products to you than someone who sees your plan, understands where you're headed, knows what your goals are? Yeah. I think that's uh, that's a really good thing that you guys are doing. And well, we can talk about it a little bit more. Just want to get these awesome questions from the internet in first. Okay, so some of them are personal finance related. Have you ever spent a huge sum of money and then regretted it as it was your parents' hard-earned money? <laughs> Anyone have this experience? And you just felt so bad. I'll, I'll read more about... Somebody uh, what must have went to university here. Come on. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll read the second... The guy who wrote this, he says, I'm 18 years old and I recently spent $100 for nothing. 
Don't ask me why or, or what it was due to my careless nature that it happened. I feel so guilty. It's my parents who earned so hard to get it to me, and I just let it waste. What do I do? So I spent a lot of my parents' money getting a philosophy degree. I see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that was great. How dare you? But I turned it around. Okay. I, I went back to university and got a computer science degree to go with it. So now I am eloquent, well-spoken, and I can do something that makes a living. But did you feel like it was a waste when you were done, or did they feel that? that is there I think I felt that I maybe could have spent it in different ways, been more productive, but I don't think they thought it was a waste. I don't think they really understand Those that much about supportive higher education. Supportive parents. Yeah. But, you know, it sounds like, you know, quote-unquote, wasting your money made you sort of appreciate the money more, and when you went for the second one, you did something more practical. That's a yes, good, good yes lesson. Okay, that's a good question from the internet, number one. Number two is, <laughs> and this is very subjective, but somebody thought there was a general answer to it. What is the best car for a retired 56-year-old man? Does anyone, is there an actual answer for this? You can say pass, and we'll go to the next a one. Canary yellow convertible. Canary yellow convertible. Yes. Like we don't know anything about this. Is like <laughs> this is like where should I put my money without knowing anything about the person? Uh, just put it in the bank. No, y you need to know something about someone to answer a question. Uh, how much money do you have, retired 56-year-old man? What things can you do with twenty dollars that will make people think you're rich? Both, yeah, burn it. That was good. Was that, what, was that, what was the last one? Pocket square. Pocket, buy a pocket square. What if you don't have anything to put the pocket square in? Spray tan. <laughs> Spray tan. I like it. I like it. Any other shout outs? Knock off Rolex. Okay, yeah, yeah. Get some singles and, and, and stack up your wallet. Have you or anyone you know received a letter from the Queen? Yeah, my <laughs> really kind of aunt, great aunt type person. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the family line is, but when she turned 100 years old, the Queen yes. wrote her a letter of congratulations. Yes, I think maybe my great aunt got one at not 90 something too. Possibly. I'm pretty sure that when I had to go to tax court, the CRA like thing that they send you it's says from the it's queen you v the queen <laughs> so <laughs> it's really the queen that wanted you to I'm go pretty sure that's to tax says. court okay uh this okay this is one for the the millennials or the newly adulted uh, people what is it that no one tells you about adult life something this like that you just didn't know okay quinn you want to elaborate he says all of it Sure. Uh, no one tells you about finances. Yeah, uh, but that's a big one. No one tells you about like legality and contracts and stuff, and no one tells you how to negotiate uh, in uh, in a hi in the hiring process. So you just say okay. Yeah. Uh, if you're me, <laughs> no one teaches you geography. <laughs> like, <laughs> Did you end up in the Yukon or something? Or? Uh, yeah. No, I like. I just never. I was never taught geography. No, so, okay. So you know, so watch out for that too. Yeah. You know, because geography. now all my friends laugh at me when I try to point <laughs> anything at a map. The capital of Canada, you got that one. Uh, that's still Ottawa. Okay, right? yeah, okay. but you, but you might you know where to point that one on a map. Oh God, no. no okay, so <laughs> just hey, you know we all have our skills. You're you're a master badass, and that's <laughs> what you're best at. So, why do Canadians say that they have the same accent as Americans? I 
Americans tell me that Canadians sound like Midwesterners, and then I meet some met some people from like Idaho or somewhere like that, and it was kind of true. Actually. Yeah. So because America is so big. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So, so I actually, I actually spent most of my life in Windsor. I was born and raised there. My wife was uh, too. Uh, mm. River Canard. My condolences. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so when people say that we have the same accents as Americans, they're one hundred percent correct because <laughs> they're talking about populous border cities. That That's are right. Right next to. Right American across cities. the river. If right. you go, if you go elsewhere in Canada, they don't. That's right. Yeah, I think that we were talking about uh, metropolises, right? A metropoli, however that is uh, pluralized. Okay, this is a serious one. How do I dig myself out of this crushing debt I have? I have over $100,000 in debt with no job and no prospects. I need a plan but do not know where to start. Help this person. What, sorry, what was the second part of the question? Um, so $100,000 in debt with no job and no prospects. I need a plan but do not know where to start. How do I dig myself out? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I mean, starting with uh, probably having some sort of, of income would, would help, for sure. That's obvious. Yeah. Let's just um, assume maybe the, the they can't work for whatever reason and can't get disability. Or, well, maybe not, because then there's no hope for them. Yeah, and I guess the question there, like, does, does the person have any equity in their home? Do they own a home? Mm -hmm. That's a good place to turn in terms of, you know, tapping into equity to see if you can consolidate something and have some sort of plan put together with that. I mean, if you don't, that, that's a large number, right? It's a, it's a large number to, to come out of. Like, if you think about it, like, say to yourself today, oh, I'm going I'm to start saving $100,000 today. That's a very intimidating thing to think about that you could actually achieve. It really is, especially if it's consumer debt. If, yeah. it's, if it's credit card debt, you're done. Exactly. Like, you know, tough hole to get out of there. So might, might be a big conversation to talk to a trustee about putting a, an action plan together there, whether it's a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy, that type of situation. As, as harsh as that sounds. No, it's, you know, yeah. it, it sounded harsh to me when I was about to do it. You know, I had $40,000 in gambling debt, and I was barely able to make it. It was all credit card debt. Yeah. I couldn't make my payments. I couldn't. I was like, I don't even know what to do here, right? Because it was still a while off before I would get out of my gambling uh, addiction, and so I couldn't just be like, okay, well, somebody pay it off for me, and then I'll stop doing things. It's like you don't know what to do when you're in that situation. A proposal will save my life. Uh, you know, people think that um, bankruptcy and a consumer proposal are terrible things. If you are spending a lot on your credit, and uh, you want to get rid of credit cards? Ruin your credit rating. It's actually the best thing to do. That's right. And and I'm not saying it's the option for everybody, but if you don't see yourself climbing out, that's why these services exist. Yeah. You know, uh, Hoy's Michaelos, great people. Uh, I'm going to plug them uh, on this. I'll, I'll be doing an interview with uh, uh, them at some other time very soon. But they uh, they met with me and they reduced my debt by 25 grand, and then just set it up for equal payments monthly and I was able to start saving again it was it really was what I needed yeah it's, it's good I mean a trustee is in your corner right they're they're on your team so you know don't uh, don't feel shamed by it like just you know take the action that you need to do and yeah and don't let your pride get in, get in front of you when, when it comes down to that like the numbers are the numbers I mean if, it, if you're carrying high interest debt at you know credit card rates at tw nearly 20 percent vicious cycle if you don't have a strong income to get out of that situation or you know some sort of asset that's appreciating like a property or something like that it's, it's going to be a long haul so yeah look at your options you know there's no commitment you know you go in there you have uh, a discussion with the trustee and it's all free it from there that's yeah. right yeah just like uh plans well it's free y you could also start knocking on doors and cleaning windows or 
painting or sealing people's driveways. Like you don't have to have somebody offering you a job to go out and create create some value and make some money. Why do you think we're so afraid of of, of hustling? Like I think it's definitely my generation, or or depending on on what kind of family you come from, people think that uh, they're not good enough. Uh, uh, no, the job's not good enough for them. Like uh, I can't be a a really wealthy elevator repairman because I went to university, but it, pa- it probably pays more than what you're making now. I I think that in society, you know, with our education system and the the way that parents are generally raising kids, we're not encouraging people to come up with new ideas and to to do things atypically. Um, So if you you go to, you know, 20 years of school to listen to what you're supposed to be doing and do what you're told, it's hard to just break out of that and start doing something nobody else is doing. So I think think there's a, like a big system problem. You feel, and you might feel trapped. Um, another thing that you can do is just talk to your creditors. So just a simple conversation. Yeah, you you don't get start. what you don't ask for. Yeah, and like, you know, say you're drowning under like four maxed out credit cards. If you can, you know, call up three of them and get them to move you onto some sort of a reduced, you know, deferred payment plan or something like that, that might be the difference between you being able to pay off the fourth one, sort of on schedule, and not being able to pay any of them off. And like, you know. I, in a perfect world, your creditor wants their money back on time. Uh, but ruling that out, your creditor wants their money back late as opposed to getting it now. Not at all. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it really doesn't hurt to ask if you're already in that position. You're not going to risk your reputation with them or anything like that. So you may as well ask and you'd be surprised at what you'll get. Yeah, you got to ask to get anything done, right? Okay, I think that's uh, that's enough questions from the internet. Thank you guys for participating with that. So. Uh, Eric, in a vi- video at the beginning of the year, you said growth is a big thing for you coming up this year. A new office, you were going to move into a new office. You probably knew that already. It was probably a bit of a cheat for you to predict that. And that you're going to have a team of 300 by the end of this year. What do you think? Is that where you're headed still? Did, did I say 300? I've been saying 100 for a long I time. Just, I, I swear, I just you watched a video. Pr- I'm supposed to have a baby tomorrow. I'm going to have three babies. <laughs> three babies and 100 staff. My brother's that, got three as well. That might be what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so 100. Yeah. Okay, 100, good. Three babies. I'm going to watch that video again, and I'll let you know. <laughs> so that's where you're headed. You're in, you guys are growing. You're what now? We're about 30 now. 30 now, and so 100 by the end of the year. That sounds like great. You guys are doing well in this new space. So we talked about plans well and all the things you guys do, the free financial plan. But then once you got that plan, you can people can talk to you about insurance, mortgages, getting out of debt, anything that's in their plan. Correct. You'll either help them personally or point them in the right direction to really you know, not biased connections. Yeah, and we, we have a lot of humans. Like a lot of that headcount of 100, 100 people is, is people just with the job of talking to clients and making sure they're happy, making sure their plans make sense. Despite the fact that the, the video that you guys put out in April said you guys are all robots. And where's Olaf? Is he here? Yeah. yeah. Olaf, the electrician, was the only one that comes and checks on the robots. Yeah, a- April 1st. April, yeah, yeah, right. yeah exactly. <laughs> that, the, I thought that the timing of that video was strange. Right. But that, yeah, very good April Fool's video. But Olaf is a is an employee here, right? Is that his he full is, name? Yeah. Yeah. He's, in, he's in the back room. Okay, he's in the back room. Yeah. That's fine. So yeah, it's not all robots. That's that's. It was April first. Remember that when you watch the videos on on Vimeo, like I did today. Yeah. There's th- well, there's three things that can happen when you make a plan. One is that you just 
take that plan away and do, do whatever you want with your life. Two is that you say, I want to implement the plan. It's, it's perfect. I want to do it. And then you become a client and we, we help sort you out with, uh, with all the different uh, things that it's recommending. Or three, you're, you're not thinking that the plan is actually right for you. And that, that's fair. And you get on the phone with us and we talk to you about it. Uh, we explain different aspects of it. And we may, we may agree with you that, that your plan does need to change and, and we'll change it for you and make sure that you have a plan that's absolutely right for you, that, that is the best thing that you can be doing before you implement it. So we talked about relationships. And so that this is really what it is. You guys are, are big on the relationship and you want to help. You'll help with products later, but let's get it all right first. The best thing for you. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Olaf has to say something. Olaf, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Glad to be here. Olaf is <laughs> Olaf is great. He he takes care of all the robots. <laughs> what do you actually do here at Plantswell? I'm a senior developer. So Excellent. So you, you're uh, that, is that what you do, Quinn? Yeah. So you're a badass like Quinn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just less vocal about it. <laughs> well, welcome. So. Thanks, everybody. I, I think that's so. How does everybody uh, find plans well, and I, what do they do to get this awesome plan? Yeah. I still, I'm still waiting for mine. By the way, that's right. Yeah, we we have a massive waiting list. We're putting a lot of time and effort into into really understanding people's goals right now. So everybody that creates a plan, uh, at the moment we're talking to all of them. We want to really understand the goals to make sure that, that we're going to get you to hit them. And so we're taking our time uh, onboarding clients. At the moment, we're having several hundred people a day create plans. And so, so the wait list is, is still there. Uh, probably within the next couple months, we'll be able to, to onboard people as fast as, as they come. But in the meantime, it would be people joining a wait list by going to planswell.com. Uh, and that's where you get that ebook when you join the wait list. You can read that and learn a little bit more. I got to check my emails. I probably have it. Yeah. yeah. I'm very interested. So you join the wait list. And uh, they'll just go to planswell.com, sign up there, and then someone will take it from there. Yeah, and you know, we, we've had people that have joined the wait list and then immediately messaged us on Facebook and been like, I am so excited to do this. Like, I really, you know, there, there's ways to get around the wait list. If you're, if you're really eager, we can, uh, we can get you in. So just sh you show up at Eric's house. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if you want to get past the wait list. Yeah. And he'll, he'll let you on just to make you go away. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, we'll we'll take care of you for sure. We're at, we're at 100 Lombard fourth floor. If you just show up at our office, <laughs> you're gonna get a plan. So <laughs> that's where is that that where we are right now? Yeah, it is. Okay, very good. So uh, thanks everybody. You know, not everybody got to speak, but you're you're all here participating, and I really this is like kind of the vision that I had, and I'm gonna try to do this a lot more because uh, having different voices from the company or the whole company together. Uh, actually kind of gives people a really good picture of the company and, and uh, it comes down to trust, right? People want to, to know who they're dealing with, uh, even if it is just Olaf and robots. But you guys are transparent. That's good. You're taking your time setting up the plans, personalized plans. You could just you could be like Microsoft and just release it all with bugs right away, but you're not doing that. And I think if for financial planning, that's very, very important. So thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks, Bo. That's amazing. Let's do one more. One, two, three. Play.